Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of the site, and I am the host of this episode, the 61st episode of this podcast, and we're welcoming you to an alternate reality. We're welcoming you to our new review series, the Low-Key, Low-Key Review Series. That's right. Super clever. I came up with it. It's better than the last one we did, so just give us an A for effort, guys. Debatable. Socially in the winter distance wasn't good. <laughs> um, just saying that for the last time. Uh, that person you heard is my uh, ever-faithful companion in this podcasting adventure we call life. His name is Al Manorino. He is the managing editor of the site. Welcome, Al. Am I though, or am I a variant? Uh, I mean, let's ask. Let's ask. Who knows? <laughs> I should, we should. <laughs> we should. Should ask my wife. And returning to the podcast after uh, an extended stay elsewhere, just hanging out, just being super cool. One of our favorite guests, Alicia Weinberger, is on the podcast, dude. We're about to talk about a whole bunch of timeline and metaphysics. Are you ready for this ride? Oh, yeah, buddy. It's still I. Definitely <laughs> still childless in this timeline. Millennial. But, Burger. <laughs> but you're now an aunt. An aunt. An aunt on this timeline. An aunt yes. on this timeline. Aunt. Maybe an actual aunt. In like an actual timeline. aunt. Yeah. Yes. Yes, just and like you're right. You you are Hank Pym in another timeline, which would actually be very cool if you were. That would be pretty sweet. That'd be sweet. Um, but yeah, congratulations to your brother and uh, your sister-in-law, her sister-in-law Kelsey, who was shot on the popbreak.com before. Uh, so congratulations on the little lady who's come into your life. Thank you, thank you. Born on Blade Runner Day. Born on Blade Runner Day. If you yeah. don't know what that means, go watch Blade Runner 2049, and it'll all make sense. Al, yeah. you watch Blade Runner in 2049? Uh, yeah. I saw it in theaters. I have it on Blu-ray, too. Such a good movie. It's great. I saw it twice. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> As you should. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I said, we're not talking Blade Runner 2049, although I wish we were. One day. Uh, one day we will. Sure. Um, I'm sure it's like almost the five-year anniversary of that movie, or three-year, I don't know. Oh, God. Uh, uh, but we're here to talk about the new MCU series, Loki, the long-awaited debut of the Tom Hiddleston starring show about the, we thought, deceased god of mischief. And what this show presupposes is, maybe he isn't. So, if you get that joke, you've been on the internet. So, we're going to get into our first segment, hastily titled, Hi, I Miss Minutes. And I'm about to explain the plot of the first episode to you. Now, this is what we do when we go to Wikipedia and we find out about the first episode. And Bill has to actually pull up the damn website. And here we go. <laughs> He's riffing. Yeah, I was just vamping to get things going. The first episode entitled Glorious Purpose. In the Gobi Desert in Mongolia, an alternate timeline version of Loki is captured by the time Variance Authority, TVA, after escaping from the Battle of New York with the Tesseract in 2012. In the TVA's headquarters, Judge Ravona Renslayer accuses him of crimes against the sacred timeline. 
Loki believes the TVA should suspect the Avengers as they went back in time, causing him to end up in this situation. However, Renslayer counters this, saying the Avengers mission was meant to happen, but Loki's escape was not. Following this, Agent, well, I didn't know this was his name, Agent Mobius M. Mobius takes Loki to the Time Theater to review Loki's past misdeeds and question his habit of killing and hurting people. Loki steals TVA tech to retrieve the Tesseract, but gives it up, but gives up escaping upon realizing that the TVA powers exceeds that of the Infinity Stones. Loki returns to the Time Theater and watches a recording of events of his would-be future, including the death of his parents, Frigga and Odin, as well as his own death at the hands of Thanos. Realizing that his cruelty and mischief will not lead to his ascendance, Loki agrees to work with Mobius to protect the sacred timeline from a rogue variant of himself. So, guys, that happened. I wish. I wish at the end of that you went of himself, like I very was, of himself, which was not what I was expecting. Um, so, I'm going to start out with some questions about. You know, Loki in the comics, and this, and then if this uh, source material was in the comics first, or any of these characters. So, Alicia, I'm going to start with you. Um, your history with any of this Loki stuff that we're we're seeing in the series? I mean, I mean, to be frank, the only Thor issue I've ever owned was like a '90s Beta Ray Bill comic. <laughs> I found in like my uncle's room um, and that's really about it. And then I don't know if you count Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology book, which I listened to to go to sleep at night. <laughs> oh, man, that's probably like delightful. Uh, I just want Neil Gaiman to just rock me to sleep. <laughs> we all do. I mean, Who we could just do a whole podcast on that. Uh, um, it's the answer ASMR no. with Neil Gaiman. Just reading all his books. Pal. Uh, what about you? Any like with so, yay Mobius? Any, any, so I I don't have any history to it. I, I haven't read a ton. I haven't read a ton of Thor, but the Thor I've, I have read is really good. Like I think I've recommended on this podcast before. If you're like getting ready for Love and Thunder, you should be reading um, Jason Aaron and Asad Ribic's run on Thor: God of Thunder. 25 issues explores like three different Thors, like a young Thor, modern Thor and future Thor who becomes King of Asgard. Very, very cool series. And that's a kind of time element, but not really, it's not time travel, but we're just seeing different times and you can see how these gods don't really age. So there's, I mean, there's that aspect, but nothing really. I've heard of the TVA a little bit, Mobius and Mobius, best name for a character since Fing Fang Foom. Um, I just haven't, uh, I haven't had a, like they're the TVA and Mobius and Mobius was like super obscure. Like that's right in Marvel studios warehouse, like wheelhouse is like, let's go really dip deep into like our IP and see what we have. Like that's pretty sweet. Well, and Mobius should not uh, be connect uh, confused with Morbius. That's Correct. That's the Jared Leto Marvel yeah, vampire. That's still coming out, people. Rem- remember that. Oh, crap. I thought was that was a fever dream I made up in my mind. 
No. I wish it was. Well, the different um, timeline. That's best. <laughs> and that's like the hit like movie of 2021. <laughs> the hit movie of 2020. Um, every Mor- Mor- Morbius is like the number one Halloween costume of that year. It, instead of in that in that timeline, instead of the actual MCU, like headed up by Iron Man, it's Jared Leto's. Morbius. We get a whole. Uh, we get like a. We get like a four part long shot um, film series with um, with Guy Pierce's long shot. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's it's awful, but guys, I'm I'm off the rails today. So let's talk about the the setup of this show. Okay, we had Wandavision, which was definitely talking. We're in the you know we're 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 setting in the world of sitcom, and then we have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is a little more adhering to that classic you know Avengers style, that big sweeping like action adventure, and then we get this, and. What so? What do you guys think of the overall tone and 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 vibe of this very what I thought would be a very different or disparate uh, Marvel show? Because like you know, it doesn't. It's not like playing off of anything from Asgard, and we haven't really you know hung around Loki fully for a long time. He's always like we see him, but just in villainous stuff. So uh, Alicia, what do you think of the overall? vibe of the show and how it was presented to us i think this is like honestly like i mean uh, you know i know like it, apparently like right wandavision got stunted because of the pandemic yeah um, we're gonna push back um, yeah well yeah. i guess you push forward push forward oh no um, but they did cut some stuff you're right they did cut basically they cut a bunch of stuff so i feel like this is kind of what ultimately like the 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 like the, i feel like I, I didn't watch winter soldier so sorry um sorry Good show. Have on tonight. But I think between WandaVision and Loki, this is probably the one series that got seen like to its fullest extent in execution. Um, it felt more of like it felt more visually and tonally complete. Um, and I think it's honestly probably like the gonna be like the wackiest of the of the series so far. Mm-hmm. It felt very 70s to me. There was a lot of like a lot of the architecture, like when they cut to that big shot of like the yeah. the landscape, that looks like something that would have been out of a like to me like a seventies comic book. And there was a lot of like oranges and browns in there, and I was just like, there's something about it. It felt very retro sci-fi to me, at least the TV that in the first episode, like from a vibe standpoint, it felt very seventies to me. Yeah, um, I think I think they got like a good mix of what was already established as like the aesthetic from the Thor films, like cause Ragnarok specifically is like very um, uh, Jack Kirby inspired visuals. Right. Um, so I think like when they show the, um, the, the like whole establishing shot of the TVA from like when Loki seeing it outside is like this, I thought, you know, I thought you don't have magic here. And he's like, it's not magic. Like it's technology, it's science, right? Whatever, whatever it is. That looked very like grandiose, very Kirby-esque, like very like what Eternals is probably going to look like or should look like based on his, that's his book. Um, So I just, I think visually though, it is borrowing a lot from that. And then it's very dark too. Like, I, I don't know, like, browns and just like um 
you know, faded look. I, I see what you're talking about, like the seventies, even like Miss Minutes, like you're saying, like it just looked like a that, yeah, the cartoon is straight out of you know yeah, something you've so, seen in your classroom when that kind of TV rolled in on a cart. Like, yeah. all right, kids. I think they're kind of going people are doing a lot of comparisons, but like I feel like it's like they're kind of like honoring Mad Men with the the way that the TVA is like kind of run ran or whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's very like man mad men-esque with the suits and the um, you know, the the whole office atmosphere looked like seventies, like American offices. I felt the very the bureaucracy of it, the mundane. Mm-hmm. That's very seventies. Um, also, a bit of Doctor Who in there. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be ringing that bell a million times on this podcast. It like that definitely got definite Doctor Who vibes. Well, I think that's where a lot of that like kind of like post Soviet like kind of like brutalist architecture, like, you know, what's more bureaucratic. I, I mean, you kind of get like, like, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, whoever the set designer was or, or the, uh, whatever they call him, director of photography, whatever that's called, um, took some, I got a lot of like first men in black movie vibes in Will Smith, like first steps into that, yeah. big, like just concrete, just very brutal, clearly bureaucratic it looks like it's like boring yeah brutal is like the perfect word for it Mm -hmm. because you're just like wolf this place well me me and al were were kind of chatting earlier before and i I played this video game i think i came out like two years ago now i don't know time anymore um called control and and actually very similar concept like person who out of their element shows up at this mystery agency is mystery like kind of like g-man agency in a very like post-soviet brutalist building that also serves as a pocket dimension and like weird shit happens <laughs> and yeah she's right it looks pretty cool oh someone's bad um that son of a gun he wants to come in and talk about this he's like there was no dogs i'm really mad um and also, I think one thing about this too is it's a very so we see Loki is taking out uh, right at the end of essentially Avengers one, and he's shown his you know he's shown his life. How do we feel about that? Just like we've taken Loki out of this timeline, um, and we've now put him into you know we've taken him out of the Avengers you know one, and now he's he's like in this alternate dimension. What do you? At least I don't know if you're a big, like, multi-dimensional timeline-y type. You know, I, I'm assuming you are. Uh, person, like, how do you feel like when they're taking him out of like the literally the MCU phase one, and you're just like, okay, here's your side adventure. Like, how'd you feel about that? Especially when he's able to see how he dies. I I love that. I mean, I, I'm always conflicted with stuff like that. Like, I love when comic book characters kind of become aware that they're comic book characters, that they're, they are an archetype. I think there is like a fine line to the point where it's like, okay, it's like, like cheating a little bit, but I, I mean, it makes sense. Right. Cause I mean, overall where, where the Marvel universe is going, I mean, the MCU is very much set up in this like kind of linear, like here's all of our characters. This is the suite of characters. This is how they're all going to interact. And now it's, it feels like they're modeling like the movies and the structure of the universe to be very like kind of fourth wall breaking in the sense of like, okay, like now we're going to model our properties after how comic books actually do work in the sense that you can have 
multiple art, uh, artists and writers work on the same character in different books and those books don't have to relate or maybe they will or maybe somewhere down the line somebody will make that canon i mean that's that's something that occurs uh, um <laughs> and, and you know in either publisher whether it's dc or marvel i mean um, I mean, look at Harley Quinn, for example. Harley Quinn existed only in a cartoon and somebody decided to make her canon. And I think we're reaching that kind of phase where I wouldn't be surprised if we start getting brand new characters that show up in these series and they become canon in the comic books or vice versa. Al, what do you think about this like kind of like timeline skipping where we now see Loki, you know, in between Avengers 1 and Dark World, like going on this whole new adventure and he's he also knows now this loki knows how he dies yeah it's interesting because I, I was trying to figure out while i was watching like what would be his motivation to to just exist like knowing that he is not the quote-unquote real loki he is a variant he is you know basically a mistake um or what could have been what would be his motivation to like stay alive um, and to do anything? And I just know that like there's the Loki that we know and love is so selfish, like just the most selfish being in the world. Um, but, you know, he has his moments of humility and, you know, whatever. So it's, I think it's, that's it. Like, that's the whole thing is the reason we care. The reason we want to continue because we know how Loki dies. Right in the grand scheme of things, why does this show matter? Like, why are we watching like an Elseworld tale as, or a what if, if we're gonna go Marvel? What if Loki didn't die? Why do we care? Well, because this is setting us up for something even bigger. The multiverse, this is time travel. This is all this kind of stuff that like has been alluded to or straight up done. Um, you know, Endgame was all about time travel. It's the reason we, have this Loki to begin with is because what happens in Endgame, but really we're talking about multiple realities, um, the X-Men coming into the fold somehow, a secret war perhaps. Like these, this is such building blocks for for things that we can see in the next 10, 20 years of Marvel. Right? I mean, they were, I mean, I don't know if it was, in t I mean, it had to be, the, the line had to be intentional when Miss Minutes was like, the multiverse if something happened it would be complete madness i'm just like yeah. well they said something about like a multiversal war i'm like oh yeah. we're doing that now awesome yeah. like love it like that's exactly what i need so yeah like i don't see this as like a a waste of time in the in that sense not like a waste of my time because i just want to spend six more eight more hours with tom hiddleston as loki um give me more of that um, so yeah, no, I think, uh, I think how it fits into the grand scheme of things is it's setting, it's like literally just breadcrumbs, trails of different things that can be, uh, as a result of learning more about the TVA. Let's, uh, let's move into our next segment when we're talking about the cast here. We're going to call this one for now, uh, the variant, um, uh, we're not going to go into who gave the best performance yet because this is literally the first episode. So we're, we don't have a hell of a lot of characters to play with, but I'm going to start with someone who I think when he got announced for the series, everyone's like, Oh, well, that's an interesting choice. And that's Owen Wilson as agent Mobius M Mobius. Um, 
not someone who was on the tip of my tongue to be in an MCU series to, or any TV series, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, Owen Wilson, once one of Hollywood's hottest actors, kind of just, you know, has had a nice career being in supporting roles now. Um, Alicia, I'll start with you. What did you think of what did you think of when you heard Owen Wilson was going to be cast in Loki? And then what did you think of his performance uh, in this episode? I mean, like, it kind of makes sense, right? Because, I mean, the whole setting is very, like, Wes Anderson-y. So, yeah, it it, and, it, and he st- kind of channels that kind of, like, kind of awkward, like, cut and dry humor um, that you would see him do in, like, a Wes Anderson film. I mean, still kind of like that goofy, like, Owen Wilson kind of vibe, but... Yeah, I get a lot of Wes Anderson vibes from him. It's that it's that awkward author, author the awkward authority figure. Yeah, who is so rigid, like seemingly so rigid, and that I think that like it, that also is a really cool thing that you mentioned was because we we're talking about the brutality, the brutalness of the the architecture, but uh, you even see with uh, the one guy who's in, in in the early part that he Loki ends up kidnapping, um, the. Um, trying to remember his name he's the um wow i can't even think it, he's the like guy at the front desk he's a comedian he, he was in the mandalorian he's in good place to go with the good place to come fd i'm sorry i don't remember your name because you're not on the wikipedia entry right now um but like that definitely felt like straight out of a wes anderson character and when a sanderson movie like just how minutiae he was and and also the tva too like had this few timeless kind of feel to it like it, it definitely feels like 70s but like the royal tenenbaums was very similar it was just like it was set now but everything felt like the 60s and 70s like sex sex, uh, sex education sure do you watch that oh, you don't, do you not watch sex education on netflix have we not talked about the show no really? i mean i think you've talked about it oh it's I, so it's so good so it's like all right no. What am I thinking of? Third season's coming out soon. Very, very big show for Netflix. Like, like global, like, show. Uh, um, you have to watch it. Anyway, sorry. But that's that's another show that, like, it's, like, um, it's set in, like, modern times um, in uh, Britain or Ireland or somewhere. I'm trying to remember. But anyway, it's a school. But, like, the kids look like they're dressed in, like, the 80s or 90s. It's, like, very odd aesthetic. Now, I know that the 90s have come back in, like, fashion, but, like, to this detail is crazy. Yes, it has. Um, yeah. and, and Alicia, my follow-up is, like, how did you feel that we saw a lot of stuff happening here, a lot of Owen Wilson, like, especially interrogating Tom Hiddleston here. How do you feel like they're chem- – what did you think of the chemistry between these two guys? Because this is definitely going to be – they're going to be paired up for this most of this season. Right. I think, like – I'm, I'm kind of glad they didn't pair like Loki up with like a pretty much like a like a hardened like like grizzled like detective dude. I, <laughs> I mean, Owen Wilson plays a pretty mischievous character, albeit like kind of on the opposite end of of Loki's character in a sense. He's just very laid back. Clearly, has come to terms with that his his like the existential dread that the 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 TVA pretty much uh, proposes. And it's just like a really laid back dude, but as equally as manipulative and mischievous as Loki is, who is now just like, kind of like coming over his God complex. That's, I did not even think of it. Yeah. Cause it's just like, 
especially the scene he does with um, um, the, uh, Renslayer Plebeer, Gugu Mbatha Raw, um, who's been in a million things. And she, like, he's just like, you know, I like looking up to you like this, you know, just like, I hope you know what you're doing. You know, and she's like, I hope you know what you're doing. And he's just like, ah, yeah, you know, very own, like you said, very own. Well, so I was like, oh, of course, yeah, I got it. It's fine. You know, it's just like, he's going to say, wow, at one time too. We know this is going to happen. And I hope it's like the last episode at a very pivotal moment. It was just like, wow, you know, and it's just like, cause it, it has to happen. But we don't need it right out the gate. That's just my opinion on that. Uh, in, a, in a recent uh, article I saw online, uh, was it uh, Mike Ryan, the pop culture writer? Um, he interviewed Owen Wilson and told him a, about the viral video of the lightsabers, but instead of making the lightsaber sound, it makes the wow. He was talking to him about it. He's like, yeah, I've seen it. And like, <laughs> he was like unfazed by it. I'm like, are you, come on. Like if it was like Hiddleston, he would have like leaned into it. Like, Oh yeah, no. Or even like Seth Rogen, like for like his laugh. But like the fact that he like, no soul, come on, come on. So funny. So Al, your thoughts on when Owen Wilson was cast and in the same questions, you thought of his performance and his interaction and his chemistry with uh, Tom Hiddleston here. Um, I, (laughs) well, my first reaction when he got cast, I said, Wow. Um, because you have to. Because you have to. Uh, you have to. Um, no, I was just, um, I was like, well, that's great casting as usual. Like, have has anyone ever said, like, from a Marvel studio standpoint, like, that was bad? Like, casting wise. Uh, Chris Eccleston I, is the villain in Thor Dark World. Maybe not even, maybe he's not bad. It's just like, that's just a bad character. Oh, he like, was bad in it. I'm saying in terms of casting, like when you get like their casting announcements are always usually like pretty great. Even like the most controversial one with the, uh, was it Tilda Swinton? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. As the ancient one. The ancient one. Yeah. That was yeah very controversial. Even uh, by the way, I just want to correct something I said earlier. Um, the actor who I was referring to, I said, Oh, he was in all this stuff. That is Eugene Cordero. Yes. So, Eugene. I apologize for not remembering your name off the top of my head. So. Um, oh yeah, but but I'm sorry. I was gonna say no. I thought he was great. I thought he was so. I thought I think Alicia said it perfectly. Like he wasn't like the hard and badass, and he wasn't like super jokey. But like he was just like like I've been doing this forever. I know probably it, literally, probably probably literally. Um, like that. Um, I love that. I thought that was like kind of the perfect role for him, and uh, yeah. And how do you feel? So with me, I felt like it was interesting that you're doing going with Owen Wilson. It was not someone who's you know, exactly been casting a lot of stuff recently. I mean, he's, well, he's always around. It's just like, again, it's it's so inspired in the fact that it's like when um, when when Tarantino casts very, for his it's movies. Very, it's a very Tarantino-like casting movie, yeah. Yeah, like it's just like, oh, let's pluck one of the most popular like internet dudes ever out of, you know, not obscurity, but just like hasn't been in something, you know, wedding crashers level in a long time. Yeah. I think my favorite part about Owen Wilson was, yeah, he's like everything you guys are saying, but I thought I loved 
how Owen Wilson was just like, he wasn't like the hardened badass like you're saying, Alicia, because I think we got a little too much of that tough guy stuff and it fit in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's not going to work here because it is it, Owen Wilson worked perfectly when he was digging into Loki saying, why do you like to hurt people? Why do you like to do this? And I think if he was tough and yelling and gruff, that would motivate Loki just to shut down. But the way he was doing it, he was almost like you were saying, he's like Loki, he's mischievous. So he's like playful, not playfully, but he's like poking at him. Why are you yeah. doing this? Why are you doing this? And it takes a, it's a very, it's a very hard performance to do. And I think Owen Wilson nailed it. And I think that's why he's perfect for the role. And I think we already have the gruff cop in the show. And that is played by, um, I'm going to mispronounce her name. Uh, Wumi Masaku, who uh, of Lovecraft who, Country. Well, yes, from Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. As soon as I saw her, I'm like, oh boy, we we're gonna get good here because she was great in Lovecraft Country. I didn't finish the series, but it was a little heavy. The judge uh, looks familiar too. Well, it's Gugu Mbathu Ra, who's been in a million things. She's been in a bunch of Doctor Who. Um, she's been in. Oh gosh, she's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm trying to think. She like cool. older Who. Like Tenet yeah. who? Uh, Beauty and the Beast, Cloverfield Paradox, Wrinkle in Time. She was in oh, 2007 man. Doctor Who. She was in four episodes as Tish Jones. Oh, Tish. That's Tish. what's her, that's what's her, um, was it Martha's sister? That might have been. Yeah, and she, she, uh, she's done a whole bunch of stuff. She was also in The Morning Show, and she was in San Junipero. That's where most people will know her from. Black Mirror. As the main girl from San Junipero. Yep, that's. I wanted to bury. I'll do it. No, uh, so but I didn't recognize her. That was my favorite episode of Black Mirror. That's. I think maybe one of the only Black Mirror episodes I ever saw because I watched that episode. And I said I can't watch any other ones because nothing is going to top this. It's the only one that ends in a happy ending. <laughs> frankly, you have to, and you have to cry so much before the happy ending. Oh, um, much. But yeah, I mean. Um, who we were just talking about? Uh, she's gonna be she's gonna be the badass cop, uh, Hunter B fifteen, Wumu Masaku. She's gonna she's gonna be she's gonna be the bad she's gonna be the the hard ass because I think she's gonna be the one who's gonna be going out. I think they kind of teased that she's gonna be the one going out there or working with Loki hand in hand. And they're like oil and water. So I think we're gonna get that, but that's gonna be played for like more laughs as we saw at the end of the episode where he just kept messing with the time repeater. And just kept had, like messing with her and then like sending her away. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, and this is maybe this is um, like not the most popular question, but Tom Hiddleston was Loki. He's done it a bunch. Were when when they announced the Loki series, not everyone was stoked, but it, it also at the same time is it like okay, maybe enough for Loki? Like you know he's done it a lot. Like is he going to be mailing it in? Did you feel like it's been a little bit of time since he's been Loki? How'd you feel about him returning to the role? Because we've seen, we've seen in the past where people return to a character. Al, I'm going to start with you first. Um, when people return to the character, it, it, it's not always a natural return. And sometimes it feels a little forced. Like how'd you feel about Hilston's return to Loki? It, it's so interesting. Cause it's like, almost like the reverse uh, Bruce Willis. Like he loves this character so much. It took so me a minute to be like, it's the reverse much. Bruce Willis. I'm like, Oh, he, so he tried. <laughs> so he loves this role so much. He's the he's the guy who 
during Comic-Con would came out in full hair, makeup, costume to the crowd. Like this dude loves this role. It made him a, a global recognized human being, right? Like this is his role. He knows that this is where his fan base is from. This guy never phones it in ever. Even in interviews, he doesn't phone shit in. He really doesn't. He crushes all the goddamn time. And in this role specifically. And he's doing a great this. And it's so weird, too, because, like, I it has to be the first time I've ever seen this in a movie. He is playing the same Loki from the same time and place in three different movies. That's weird as shit. Yeah, Avengers, Endgame, and the Loki series. We see the Loki from New York. He knows this character so well that he can go back to that Loki who has changed dramatically in the decade of the Marvel movies. He can go back and play that Loki and the next scene play a different Loki. It's crazy, man. He's so good. So if anyone didn't get the Bruce Willis reference, I'll just explain it real quick. Oh, please. It's just like, so Bruce Willis has gone back to John McClane a number of times, including recently a diehard battery commercial for TV. Um, And yeah, if you watch those last two diehard movies, not the same performance as you saw in the first few diehard movies. So yeah, he got progressively worse. So he phones it in. Well, he's been phoning it in for a very long time in yeah. a lot of movies, um, allegedly. Um, so, Alicia, um, what? So, my ridiculous question of, you know, Hiddleston's done this role a million times. Did you did you have any concerns that it would kind of have the Bruce Willis effect of just like, ah, oh, it's not going to be up to the same par? And did it did it hit your expectations? I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I thought he was just going to play, and I mean, and 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 when I say play, I mean like. You know, I have a good time with that character every time he's on screen. But you've never really seen him alone before. That character never has his own really agency, like in a story, other than just being like the the mischievous, like roguish, like dick. Like, I mean, you see a little bits and pieces of quiet moments, you know, uh, towards like the end of like uh, closer to the end of MCU uh, as we know it. Um, but this is kind of like the first time where I feel like he Hiddleston's going to get free, free reign of the character, really. Um, I mean, that moment where he pretty much watches, you know, him murdering his mother um, uh, secondhand and then him, he himself like kind of having a moment with, you know, with his dad and his brother, Thor, obviously, and then eventually dying. I mean, when he starts crying and realizing like you know like he 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 yes like his path is predetermined as much as he he doesn't want it to be but that's kind of like the path that he really really wanted and not to be like some god king um and so for the first time i think we're gonna see like a much kind of more as meditative as a as a marvel character can get in a show I agree. That was the moment. Like the beginning was very like playing for the laughs, and I was like, okay, this is fine. Like, yeah, it's funny, and you know, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm just hoping there's more to this because this is all a little bit slapsticky, and 
you know, he's being very over the top. And then we, it's, I was all big setup for that moment of, you know, internalizing stuff and realizing what he had done leading to his mom's death. And then him eventually be doing some heroic shit. And, you know, and then he just was like, like you said, he realized what his purpose was. And like, that was a great moment where I'm like, Oh, and I think that's what we're seeing in the MCU series a bit is like, we're letting our characters have the moments that we might not get the quieter moments we might not get in the movies because those quieter moments are scored so dramatically and everything's so heightened in those movies where this is more intimate. He was in a room by himself, you know, and he had the moment together and we were with him in the moment. And like I said, we haven't had that much time with him ever. You know, it's usually, we saw what we, he, Owen Wilson shows us like, it's just, we see you fail. And that's, and that we played for laughs. And, and that's what we do. I thought I did think the DB Cooper thing was pretty damn funny. I was I, I did appreciate that. Um, any other performances here that you're like, oh, I just want to bring that up. Oh, Tara Strong also plays Miss Minutes. Tara Strong, we've interviewed that's her. The Alicia, did I think you interviewed her? I did. I was very nervous, and I'm sure she if 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 I even am remembered, she probably not. Just it was this weird. Me, everyone forgets sweaty. me when I interview him. But I mean, like, no, it's no, you, no. You, it was a very good interview. Um, you do good work, man. Don't don't sell yourself short. I was very sweaty that day. I'm not gonna lie. It was oh. it was. I wore tweed pants into New York that summer. That was. I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, you were trying to be professional, and you know, I mean, I'm sure in the fall it would have been a great choice. Uh, but hey, listen, I appreciate it. I'm sweaty all the time. This is what happens. Um, I'm about, about the air, the cool air from my air conditioning is about to leave this room. So um, any other performances you guys want to bring up that you, you thought were cool or any moments? I mean, we, we did get a, you know, glimpses back of our old pals from the Avengers. Um, I know there was all you know, rehashed footage, but, you know, still kind of cool. But any performances or anything you want to bring up? Um. I mean, I, I think that the whole uh, ticket scene was phenomenal. Like, just, like, there's a lot of, like, not slapstick, but just, like, I don't know, situational humor in this. Like, it was less, like, dialogue jokes and more just, like, the gag setup of, like, the kind of the fish out of water. Like, how much of a fish. Not only that, he's that, like, he's he like, going to turn a guy into a fish. Yeah, it's true. But like, yeah, that's true. Um, it's like both purgatory and like the DMV, like, you know, it's like a very, exactly. It's like a very like stereotypical, like what, what does the DMV look like uh, and feel like? And I was just great. I, I love that. Just watching that scene was pretty great. This hasn't anything to do with the characters, but I think it was a cool character moment. And I want to get your guys' opinion on this moment when he opens the junk drawer, the lost and found drawer, essentially. And he pulls out Infinity Stones. And they're like, oh, yeah, we get those all the time. You know, we use so, some of his paperweights. Yeah, was some of them are paperweights. Amazing. And they have literally no impact in this area. Like, how did you guys think, like, does that does that bolster? Was that just? A, did you guys think that was a good, just dramatic moment for Loki, or did that do more for you to bolster the world that they're in right now? To be like, oh, this is legit. Like this is like this. We're in a whole new. It's it's like the Little Mermaid. It's a whole new world, guys. My dad's favorite cartoon. Don't ask me why. It's a very weird choice for a fifty-five-year-old man to like that movie. But not gonna say to analyze my dad. Uh, so, 
I guess I just did on a podcast. Um, so Alicia, what did you think of that moment? Was it a good moment for it? Was that more of a low key moment or is that more of a world building moment? I think honestly both. I mean, that's a cheap answer, but really both. I mean, because I, I, I am the, I am literally always a cheap answer. So it's fine. Once again, to kind of like kind of predict where the franchise and when I say the franchise, I mean like just the MCU as a whole, whether it's movies, shows, cartoons, like they need a new MacGuffin. Right. So like the last 10 years has been like, we have to save the universe as we know it from these reality bending stones. Cool. They did that. What's the next thing? So clearly like even before the series, we knew where we're going to get into multiverse, right? We had WandaVision. We have this Spider-Man movie that's apparently going to tap into old Spider-Man movies. Yes. Um, Summer of Garfield, by the way. Al right. followed it on Twitter. Summer of Garfield. <laughs> and, uh, and obviously, like, the most obvious one is is uh, a multiverse of madness. So if they basically need, like, a new stage. It's It's smart and efficient. It's an efficient way of, like, creating more properties, um, but also keeping this like unified, this unified um, uh, universe, <laughs> you know, going. And yeah. I think it was also, and it's like you're saying, like they need a new thing. So it's like um, they need to also like put put that stuff in the past to be like, okay, we did the Infinity Stones. We did the Tesseract okay, it's a new thing. We've moved on and we have to, and I, like you said, like it, like it was the great mo- catalyst for Loki to realize I'm not getting out of this. This is not a construct. This is, this isn't just a joke. Um, and then, but uh, it's like the world building of just like these, these timekeepers who we've never really heard about, but they, they, this is for real. If the, if the infinity stones are essentially paperweights, then that's what they are saying. They're paperweights. Like, that's pretty wild. And we so we have to move on from that and not try and interject like, oh, if he gets the Mind Stone, because we even had that with um, WandaVision still had the Mind Stone. Right. But even, was that as important there? Or was that just basically like he has the Mind, it's like when he has the Mind Stone. Right. And I, I think it also like, like we're, we're definitely like kind of approaching like different like levels of gravity in, in terms of each like, show so obviously i think i think out of all the shows like obviously winter soldier falcon winter soldier even though i haven't watched it personally yet but i'm assuming it's a little more grounded in reality yeah there's no there's no infinity stones that are involved in that it's it's more like wakanda's involved in it when very i i think you would really enjoy it uh some of the wakanda stuff they bring in it's more about super soldiers and and like um it's more about post blip um people returning and the fallout, the actual political and societal fallout of that, of how, okay, a billion people have returned after five years. How do you reintroduce um, them into living quarters and stuff? And it's it's about refugees and it's about, um, you know, race and politics and all sorts of stuff. So it goes into some places and there's a really cool cameo at the end that I'm not going to ruin for you because I think you get a real kick out of it. Um so for me, yeah, like I said, like for me, like it's definitely one of those things where um, it's crazy that it's like the Infinity Stone is a paperweight. But Al, so my question, um, I don't know if you answered this already or not, just a, the thought about, about the Infinity Stones essentially being a paperweight. Um, oh, wait, you did answer this question already. No, I, I, uh, I Alicia was answering it. I think 
I just totally agree with Alicia. Like it's, you, you have to not only set up the new MacGuffin, as she said, but also like you have to set up the new stakes. The infinity stones were the end all be all. Now they're fucking not. What is it now? Uh, when are we ever going to get Adam Warlock into this game, guys? That's what I want to know. I don't know. You've been. What about that? Well, he was teased at the end of Guardians Two, but it's not confirmed that he's involved in Guardians Three at all. I know. I just, I just remember because I have the first like Infinity War comic book, and he's on the cover. I'm like, oh, he's a cool character. Where is he? Yeah. Um, so, let's move into the. I know what this place is. That's our next segment. Could totally change. Um, what about our theor- any thoughts and theories about any characters we've seen where we think this show is going to go? Especially, let's talk about the dark variant. I guess we'll call him the dark variant, the evil variant of Loki. Like, what? What is he? Like, what? What? It, how do you think this all came to be? Like, is this actually a variant of Loki? Is it uh, another character who's taken his form? Like, any theories? Al, I'll start with you that you have on this Loki variant, or any of the theories that you have about where we're going to see this show go or anything that was dropped during the show. Yeah. So uh, I was like, here's a list. Well, talk talking as a, a comic book collector speculator of all this stuff, right? Al's, the uh, when Al's going to put comic book form, he's going to be called the speculator. The speculator. Um, no, I, uh, uh just been because like, I know the collector. <laughs> that's true. There's talk of like a potential council of Loki's. Um, so fans of uh, Rick and Morty know of the Council of Ricks with all the Ricks from all the different worlds and timelines and planets, everything yeah. is that uh, they've set up the Council of Ricks. So there's rumors of a Council of Loki where we get to see um, all these different variants, including like a kid Loki and a female Loki and, you know, probably like old man Loki, things like that. Like we would see all these different variants. Um, And I think now, I think that's got to be confirmed because my theory is, and this is my uh, shower thought tinfoil hat theory. I think Loki knowing his untimely death causes all of these Lokis Dark Loki, our Loki, potential future Lokis, to figure out their glorious purpose. Totally episode. Yeah. So I think his purpose or what he tried is his set is like new goal as is to master time, master this new reality of his. And I think all of the variants are trying to figure that out. Um, how to to be like ruler of all of this because he's the god of fucking mischief. What is his motive? if not survival, if not for, uh, you know, domination or whatever, or the world. So that's my tinfoil hat spec. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to see a council of Lokis. I think the, the person we are looking for is definitely another variant of Loki and not someone in disguise or anything like that. Alicia, any thoughts and theories? I mean, like... I mean, it, it's obvious, right? Like they're, they're they're trying to obviously set up like this is another doppelganger of Loki in a different timeline. I mean, when he when he shows up in Mongolia, right? Like, who's to say when when he touches the Tesseract in the past in 2012 that causes two different branches, not just the branch of okay, there's the branch where he gets arrested and gets sent to Asgardian prison, but also a branch where maybe he didn't land in Mongolia and and 
when did that happen and how long did that timeline go on for? So like typical, like, Hey, it's going to, there's going to be branching paths. Like Al said, like even him discovering his own death, that caused a bunch of um, branching. Um, I mean, we could also maybe even consider, like you mentioned before, that might not even be Loki. Like what if he's just getting framed by somebody? Yeah. So we have a new character. Yeah, I was wondering that, and my my to play off of Al's like what you were saying, like the, like what you guys were saying, he saw his death, and now that, that's a, the death has been revealed, so all the Loki's are reacting. What if this Loki or another Loki in another timeline has also seen his death, and what he's done is cloned himself, and is the best way, and he's going to send all of them out because so someone, one of them, has to live on. And we're gonna we're gonna rain mischief, and we're gonna rule as much. I'm gonna. Hey, you said I should rule all of time. It's good. Okay, well, I'm gonna go do that. Or he's trying to survive. Like he's created these clones, including the dark Loki, the kid Loki, all of the female Loki, and that's what this is. Like, so he saw his death. He's like, the only way to cheat death is to create a million copies of myself, so I can never die. And they're all running amok throughout the. Um, throughout the uh, various timelines because isn't one of the premises of the show like he jumps through various timelines so maybe he's constantly chasing versions of himself through his timeline i wanted it to be kind of wild if it just was all revealed that he knew about this already and he actually wins at the end it is his show it is his show it's I'm not the Loki fair show. He ends up killing himself, but like, but ends up staying alive. But anyway, that's my tinfoil theory for for this. So that's all I got. But on a scale, guys, a scale of one to ten tesseracts, this could also change. How would you rate the premiere of Loki and just your overall thoughts on the episode, Alicia? You are our esteemed guest. Who came on at the very last second like the most awesome person that you are um how would you rate this episode and your overall thoughts i think visually tonally like 10 out of 10 right i think I, like i mentioned before i think out of all the mcu shows we've gotten so far which has only been like three um i feel like this is the one that got executed in its fullest um and, and i love that whole and you know i'm a I'm a sucker for some retro futurism. Like I love maniac. I love like, like shit that existed in the past, but like somehow like it kind of has a touch screen still like alien is a great example of that. Like, Hey, we can launch people into space, but like all of our computers are like uh, encased in like grubby plastic. <laughs> Bioshock, Bioshock infinite. There we go. Yeah. Wait, Perfect. was maniac the one with, um, Emma Stone, um, yeah. Jonah Hill, the character. Oh, I fucking love right. that. Right. I got very you. similar. Oh. Yeah, but it was like, very similar. Yeah. That yeah. was very good. Right. Um, honestly, I forgot I, Netflix I mean, classic. I, I, yeah. Say that about most Netflix classics. I know. I kind of hope they turned it into. I, I was really hoping they would make a second season and like actually just make it into like an anthology. Was series. that a Fuagama show? Yes. Yep. Yeah, and now he's doing the new Bond. Is he? Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's doing it. Hey. Bond movie <laughs> again. Yeah, that and Morbius. You're welcome. You had nothing to do with it. 
I re- reminded her that those two oh, movies. I was just like, you didn't make those movies. We say I had nothing to do with them. Of course. Honestly, not. I just feel like this entire year, I like any anytime somebody like brings up like, oh, this movie's coming out. I just I thought I just like fever dream hallucinated that like whatever trailer dropped in 2019. <laughs> no, because most likely it did. Yeah. And then maybe it dropped two more times, but at times where the world was on fire. So, hey, man. Yeah. So apparently there was a Mobius. Was there a Mobius trailer? Morbius trailer, I should say. There was like two. What? Yeah, there was at least there was at least one. Like a full, full length, yeah. Not even like a teaser. I don't even remember. Uh so you're not you're in the same, I'm in the same boat as you. Um yeah. but yeah, man. I mean, I just feel like and it could just be like this biased of like I'm a little little uh, not a lot a little marvel fatigued right i'm I'm a little like you know cool space battles I, I mean that's the one thing my biggest gripe with marvel movies is in terms of adapting character to screen they do a great job yeah. however with the exception of like a spider-man movie here or there visually speaking they all kind of look the damn same there, there's never one marvel movie with the exception of i think the first Spider-Man movie with, with Tom Holland and Ragnarok, where anything kind of looked visually interesting. There's nothing like any, like all the Thor movies. My biggest gripe with the Thor movies when he goes to Asgard, it's just like it looks cool, like it looks shiny. Like oh, I'm like okay, this can exist in my reality, great. But it all kind of looks like generic fantasy armor and architecture. Yeah. Nothing ever looks like popped to me where i'm like that's marvel's asgard as opposed to like some other fantasy property that interprets asgard this is the first time i've ever seen like them actually like trying to make an iconic look associated with a certain series or a character so for that 10 out of 10 probably having some confirmation bias (laughs) oh well well, so what was great just for that but what do you think about the show with the episode itself like Outside of the tonal stuff, so you still get a ten out of ten for the premiere for like the acting and the, how everything was going so far. I mean, they're they went straight into unpacking this character, right? Like once again, as I mentioned before, they could have just made him like I'm just going to be the generic roguish, lovable dickhead, but they actually like. I, I mean, it, it's kind of appropriate, right? So like Loki, right? The entire cinematic universe, he's been just this kind of two pretty much like two-dimensional dude who has a god complex and like some daddy issues and he's like he's got the little brother complex or it's like my big brother's better than me i gotta become this god king cool that's like a cool motivation for a villain but it's pretty flat right so they went straight into here's this character who is the god of mischief but his entire character throughout the MCU has been defined as just reacting to how other people perceive him. So for the as somebody who calls himself the god of, god of mischief, he's never had any kind of form of agency in the Marvel Universe. It's always just been like, I got to like fuck over my brother. I got to fuck over my dad. I got to just I got to be the God King. But for once, he just realizes like none of it matters and he can just do whatever he wants because all probabilities are possible now. Mm-hmm. I so, agree. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Al, what do you got? Uh, leave it to Marvel to take a show that is 
half exposition and half a therapy session and make it awesome. Like just great overall. Like it literally is them explaining the TVA for a majority of the episode and, and what, what the TVA is and what this arc of television is going to be about. They did that and they do this kind of breakthrough with this version of Loki. We've seen Loki grow over time to be super self-centered to like back with his brother fighting side by side, um, not trying to fuck him over and even saving him or trying to with uh, Thanos. We saw that Loki grow up. Now we're seeing a very young Loki in that sense, Marvel timeline wise, not only turn a leaf, but do something that the other Loki never even dreamed of doing and like be super open about his, his motive, his, what he wants in life. You were never going to see that with the other Loki. So this is super interesting. I'm going to probably give it like a nine out of 10. I think I would have liked a little more action selfishly for a 10 out of 10. Yeah. I'm going to give it a go with nine as well. Uh, because I feel like the upside on the show is really high. It's really high because Alicia, you hit, you, I mean, the whole podcast, you've been hitting great points is that like they, they really went for like WandaVision definitely had like, they definitely went for different looking things, but it looked like a Marvel show. It had like that same kind of filter, same thing. Falcon Winter Soldier definitely do. This feels very different. This has, it, it, it just doesn't feel the same. Like they're going for a distinct look with this character with this show um kind of a little bit what they tried doing with guardians making that kind of like ragtag space grungy space thing but and still when he got to those big battles felt very marvel um i think they i think that the look and the design was great i think the performances were great like alva saying they really just did half exposition half let's like you were saying to alicia it's just like um and then it was it just really hit this, it hit that therapy and it unpacked and created a whole new Loki and we posited for the future and it looks pretty cool and then we had a great ending where it was just like whoa this is it he's the bad guy and by the way he's vicious as hell because he just burned a whole bunch of agents alive so in 1892 Oklahoma it seems so that's it for this part of the podcast um, yeah. guys we want to do we want to just uh, plug our socials and we'll ride off into the to the multiverse of madness known as our lives? Yeah. I'll take that as a yes. So, Alicia. Hell yeah. Tell us where people can find you on social media if you want them to find you on social media. Uh, this version of me on this timeline does, I guess. Um. <laughs> I, I want that to be how you just talk to yeah. everyone. Like, this, this version of me on this timeline does. The other this, this fucking variant does. I don't know. This, this variant does. This variant needs to be employed. So, yes, please find me. <laughs> I'm employed. Don't worry. Um, I know you are. I'm very proud yeah. of you. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Alicia underscore uh, Weinberg. I dropped the ER. <laughs> As we all do. Uh, Al, I don't know. We all don't drop the ER. I don't know why I say things. Al, where can people find you on social media? Um, you can find me at Al Manorino, but drop the ER um, on Twitter and on Instagram. 
Those are the two places you can find me. Twitter, um, randomly, Ryan Felipe, the actor, responded to one of my tweets, which did not have him tagged in it. That was fun. And then on Instagram, maybe I'll have some concert photos soon. Who knows? Hopefully. You and that uh, check mark. Yeah. Goddamn. I've only used it for evil. Verified for absolutely no reason. Um, as for me, if you must follow me on Twitter, I'm at BodkinWrites, W-R-I-T-E-S. Um, but most importantly, check out ThePopBreak.com. Every single day we're talking about film. Yeah, movies are back. We just reviewed In the Heights, which is pretty cool. Uh, we have music, TV, comic books, digital trends, anime, pro wrestling, all sorts of great stuff. We're on Twitter, at ThePopBreak. We are at ThePopBreak on Instagram. We're forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled on Facebook. Don't forget to check out uh, TV Break, uh, the Breakcast, and the winner still is, and the Way Too Early Oscar podcast. Those are all our podcast hubs on Anchor, Google, Spotify, and Anchor Podcasts. So for week one, episode one, Al, you're going to edit some before I close this out. For week yeah. one, episode one of the Low Key, Low Key podcast, my name is Bill Bach, and thank you so much for joining us.